talk. You know, is that? And I hope you have a Bible there with you. Let's turn to Luke, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. We're going to start reading from verse 5. Luke 21, starting with verse 5. And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be here one stone upon another that will be not thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you are not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance you will gain your lives. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I remember when this uh, this pandemic, you know, first really erupted, and there were a number of people who were, who uh, were saying, "Oh, it's the end! It's the end!" You know, this is this is what's in the Book of Revelation. It's all coming to pass, and and it's the end. But it wasn't, and and we knew that. Uh, we knew that it wasn't wasn't the end. And and it's interesting that that's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen that there was going to come a time when a bunch of people would start saying, oh, this is the end, this is the end, but that's not, that's not quite the end. It's not quite yet. Uh, and interestingly, even, even during this time, one of the outbreaks of the coronavirus happened with, uh, uh, in South Korea, happened through uh, a church group. It's not really a Christian church because the, the, the leader of the church apparently is claiming that he is the Messiah. And notice how Jesus says in this text here that there are going to be a bunch of people who say, I am he, you know, I, I am the Messiah. Uh, and uh, and you, you're going to think that it's the end times, but it's not. The end was not here. Uh, and we knew this. We could know when all this happened that it wasn't the end times yet because this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. But at the same time, even though we're not in, in the end times, as Jesus was saying here, he says, you know, the end will not come 
all at once. The end times is not going to come in quite that way. But even though this is not the end times, Jesus said that, you know, you're going to hear a lot of these kinds of things. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. You'll hear about pestilences. We've got this pestilence now. Earthquakes. A few weeks ago in Zagreb, there was a major earthquake uh, alongside this, this pandemic that's going on. Uh, famines. You know, one of the things right now that uh, uh, many are predicting are going to happen uh, are some significant famines in the world. Uh, quite a, a few, uh, uh, quite quite a few hundred million people are at risk right now of starvation because not only has there been the COVID nineteen situation, uh, you may have read that there's been this real plague of locusts that have been uh, been affecting Africa right now. So there's a lot of things that are happening in our world right now, but these things are, are things I take comfort in the sense that all of this was predicted by Jesus. Jesus told us these kinds of things were going to happen, that we're going to have pestilences before the end comes. Uh, So in some ways, even though I grieve with everybody else that grieves with what is happening in our world, I also take some comfort in the words of Jesus at this time. But even though... This is not the end times quite yet. In a sense, uh, I feel a little bit like this is a dry run for the end times. It's something that uh, gives us a bit of a foretaste for what the end times might be like. And I think when we look at the COVID-19 situation, this pandemic situation globally, I think it gives us a bit of a foretaste of what the end times are going to be like. Uh, I think it's also starting to pave the way for the end times. And I think the situation is starting to teach us some things about how we need to live in light of what's happening in the world right now and in light of the fact that this was prophesied by Jesus and this means that we are approaching the day, the end times, when Jesus comes again. And so that's what I want to talk to you uh, a bit about today. You know, first, the COVID-19 situation gives us a glimpse into the end times. It really has been a foretaste of the suddenness, the turmoil, and the difficulty that we are going to experience, the world is going to experience during the end times. Think about how quickly this came upon us. I mean, back in February, we thought life was continuing as normal. We'd heard some rumors about a disease, a sickness that that was there in China, but we really didn't think much about it reaching us. And then suddenly, within a month, our whole reality had changed. And look at the turmoil and the difficulty that we're going going through right now. Uh, And it really is a foretaste of these kinds of things, not only in in terms of the sickness, uh, but also the famines, the kind of conflicts, uh, economic breakdown, and many other things that are going to happen in the end times. It's also giving us a sense of how in the end times, people will gladly trade their freedom for security. Right now, that's a real difficult thing that's happening. You know, do we want to be free or do we want to be secure? 
Do we want to have the freedom to go about our business and do whatever we want to do? Or do we want to be disease-free? And frankly, what we're seeing now is that you can't really have both. If you really want the maximum freedom, then you got to have the freedom for a lot of people to get sick and many to die. Uh, and if you want to have the maximum security, then most people are going to have to give up a lot of their freedom. It gives us a demonstration also of the tendency toward lawlessness that we're going to be seeing in the end times. Not only in big things, but even in small things. I mean, Karen and I were, were taking our, our daily exercise uh, last week, and, and we've been walking into the city of London and going across the Millennium Bridge. And if you've ever walked across the Millennium Bridge, you know they have uh, big signs at, at both sides of the bridge uh, to say, don't take your cycles, you know, your bicycles or things like that. You can't ride bicycles or, or, or anything like that on the bridge. It's just for pedestrians. Uh, and last week, there were at least, at least a dozen cyclists cycling across the bridge. Uh, I read a report uh, about uh, how motorists have been using this lockdown as an excuse to speed. Uh, one guy was clocked doing over 100 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. I mean, that kind of thing is going on around us. And there's a lot of opportunistic crime that's going on now. Uh, people who, who are trying to scam older people uh, out of their funds and things. Uh, this lawlessness is in our world right now, and it's increasing. It's also uh, an indicator. We're seeing a bit of the, the possible fault lines that we're going to see in the church of Jesus Christ, uh, at least the public church of Jesus Christ during the end times. I mean, think about it. In, in, this, in these last few weeks, I mean, we've seen a number of crackpots, uh, people who, who have just done ludic ludicrously stupid things, uh, who uh, I, I, I heard one interview uh, of a guy who's an ordained pastor who was uh, promoting the, the lie about the, the, how the, the 5G masks are, have caused the coronavirus, and it's what's really making people sick. Uh, we have people who are rebels, uh, you see this a lot in the states right now, uh, pastors, leaders who are trying to rebel against actually what is good. And in some cases, you're seeing people get sick and die because of this rebellion uh, on, by church leaders that is happening right now. <clears throat> You've seen those who are lukewarm, who are using uh, the, the pandemic as an excuse to kind of step out of their faith. You know, they want to hold on to Jesus a little bit, but they're not really living for him. They're not really serving him. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of people become apostate during this time who actually fall away from the faith, who withdraw from Jesus. And, and also we're seeing the faithful. And these kind of fault lines are going to exist uh, in the end times, I think, and they're going to be even greater in the end times. Uh, and this season is giving us a sense of the kinds of challenges that we are going to face as Christians to live out our faith and extend God's kingdom. You know, in the end times, I can see nations closing churches. And notice how easy it's been for a lot of churches to be closed. I mean, personally, one of the things I struggle with quite a bit is how in the Church of England, uh, a pastor or a minister can't even go into their own sanctuary to give a sermon like, you know, we're doing it from the prayer room here at City Temple because our sanctuary is not as well lit as our prayer room. 
uh, but, uh, but the thought of me being forbidden to go into the church that I'm, uh, you know, where I'm the leader, I, the church building, it's just amazing to me. Uh, and so we're seeing the kinds of challenges that we are going to face. Church groups being limited to gatherings of no more than 10. I mean, many kinds of things like this. So uh, really the COVID-19 situation is giving us a glimpse into what life is going to be like in the end times, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. We're seeing some of the difficulties that we will have to encounter. I think as well, when we look at this situation, the COVID-19 situation is also paving the way for the end times. It is this dry run for the end times is helping the world develop technologies and, and many other things that will help <clears throat> usher in the end times. I mean, think about this. Right now, we're developing these new technologies, uh, and these technologies could easily be used to empower the end times. For example, a- Apple and Google have been working together uh, on, a, on an app that would be installed into our phones that would enable us to be traced. Now just think about that. And, and so the two great giants of, of mobile phone technology are now working together. And governments could easily, well, where something like this starts out initially, it starts out as rather innocent. Uh, eventually, governments could easily manipulate this. And we've seen it. I mean, we see it in China. Uh, we see it in, in other governments around the world where they've taken advantage of this kind of technology. Uh, uh, another way that this situation is paving the way for the end times, it's conditioning people around the world to accept a more authoritarian form of government. I mean, it's very easy for us. And and by the way, I want to say very clearly, I think the social distancing that the government has has mandated, uh, uh, many of the policies that we see there, they are good policies. They are scientifically sound, and they have saved tens of thousands of lives. Uh, So I'm not rebelling against that. But understand that more and more people will learn to say, oh, well, we just accept these kinds of lockdowns. We accept this kind of control from the government. And more and more people around the world get conditioned to that, and they accept it quite easily. So it's very easy then to see how a one-world government could easily emerge uh, that was very authoritarian. Another way that this is paving the way for the end times is how it's linking people through technology uh, and making us more and more reliant on technology for the basic things of life. So we're all connected more technologically than ever before, and we need this technology. We we depend on it uh, for the, the basic stuff of life, you know, the touchless payments. Notice how much that has come in during this time and how easy it would be to control a touchless payment uh, kind of system. Uh, so this, this linking us together technologically also paves the way for a linked kind of influence uh, amongst the people that's, that's similar to what is prophesied that's going to happen during the end times. I think another thing that we're seeing during this season is uh, both a greater nationalism as well as 
uh, a greater globalism. Now you think, okay, that's kind of strange. How did those two things go together? Well, nationalistically, uh, this crisis has caused nation after nation. Think about the EU, how it, it's really been in many nations, every nation for itself. And the people of the nation have become very protective, and so they become very populist in their orientation nationally. They have a strong national identity that makes them think, you know, we're, we're independent, we're strong. Uh, but uh, right now, what's also happening is the global elite is continuing to network together. We have the scientists doing this, which is a good thing. You know, I'm glad that the scientists around the world are working together as never before. Uh, but it's also going to link together people like that who have power, who have influence. Uh, so globally, there would be a, a, a greater network of leadership and influence, even as nationally, uh, there's a less connectivity globally, which would, again, empower the reality that's prophesied uh, in Revelation uh, about the end times. Uh, another thing that we're seeing is the increasing secularization of society. Uh, and that's, that's happening. We see that here in the UK, uh, where the people are, are thinking our heroes now, and rightly so, they are. Our heroes now is the NHS, uh, it's uh, uh, the workers in the supermarkets, uh, the essential workers, you know, those, those are real heroes. Uh, and, uh, and you see how much the church in this season has either been marginalized in many people's lives, although thankfully I'm considered an essential worker, so I, I've liked that bit, um, but in many respects the churches have been marginalized or they have been uh, demoted to nothing more than an aid, aid agency in society. So churches are not valued for the worship that they offer. They're valued for the service that they can give. And we need to understand as Christians, part of our existence is to glorify God. We come together as the body of Christ, not just to serve people. We come together as the body of Christ, first and foremost, to glorify God. As it said in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, what is the chief end of humanity? And the answer is humanity's chief end, our primary purpose, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, one of the ways we glorify God is by serving others, by doing good works. That's absolutely essential. But we cannot separate the good works that we do from glorifying God. We can't separate the good works that we're doing from the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not enough for us just to feed the hungry. The hungry need to know why we want to feed them. It's not enough for us to provide for people financially. Uh, those that we're helping out financially need to know that we do this because of Jesus Christ in us. That is our motive. That is our reason for being. But right now, all of that's being pushed to the side. And many churches, if they, if they try to be very upfront uh, with the gospel, 
uh, many people would say, well, why are you doing that? Uh, now is not the time to think about those things. Now is the time to feed the sick. Now is the time uh, to feed the hungry. Now is the time to take care of the sick. And it is the time to feed the hungry. It is the time to care for the sick. It is the time to look after those who are on their own. It is the time to look after those who can't help themselves. It is the time to do these things. But we must do these things in the name of Jesus. We cannot allow ourselves uh, either to be to be marginalized or demoted to nothing more than a helping society. And yet, that's exactly what this situation is doing uh, for many, many churches um, around the world. Now, I'm going to talk more about what God is going to do in the body of Christ globally uh, next week or the week after uh, what some of the things that I see happening. But the third thing here about this COVID-19 situation, it is training us right now how to live our lives in light of the end times. We can learn a lot about how we need to live, not only now, but in the future leading up to the end times. Uh, This situation is teaching us a lot if we will listen and if we will learn. There's several things I think the situation teaches us. First of all, this situation is reaffirming the truth of the Bible. I mean, one of the things that I saw immediately uh, when all this broke out, and I looked at Luke chapter 21, I mean, that right away, Revelation and Luke 21 were the places uh, my mind was drawn to in light of this situation. And I looked there in Revelation 21, and I said, wow, exactly what Jesus said was going to happen is happening. Now remember, he said that 2,000 years ago that these things were going to unfold. And it's interesting that he said these things were going to unfold together. The kinds of things we're seeing manifesting now are unfolding together probably as never before in history. I don't know another time of history where you've had uh, famines, earthquakes, earthquakes, pestilences, wars, all of those things happening simultaneously. They've all happened, but mercifully, many of them have not happened all at the same time. And yet all of that's happening. It's reaffirming to us the truth of the Bible and that we can trust the Bible. We can use it as a guide for the way that we live our lives. Another thing the situation is doing, how it's training us, it's demonstrating to us the sovereignty of God. If God in his sovereignty knew all of these things were going to happen, then we can trust that God in his sovereignty will bring the the history to bring our world to the fulfillment of everything that he desires. Our God is in control. Our God is our Lord. He is the one who looks out for us. Now, that doesn't mean that you know, no Christian will get sick or no Christian will die. Clearly, many Christians have gotten sick and many have died. But we can know that no matter what, our lives are in the hands of a God who is in control uh, of this world. We, get, we can have confidence in the sovereignty of God. We can also have this sense of how uh, 
this, this, this situation is revealing to us the flow of God's holy history and how we participate in this history. Everything in history is moving to the culmination of the return of Jesus Christ and God receiving all the glory and honor, a new heavens and a new earth. And we're part of this flow of history. This means that everything we are doing now contributes to the flow of history. Now, you might think of yourself as just a small tributary to what's going on now, and, and we are. Each one of us is very small, but I tell you, every great river is a combination of many small tributaries, many small streams and creeks and, and small rivers coming together. And we are all coming together in this season in the flow of what God is doing in our world. And we are all part of this. That means that everything that you do, every good thing that you do, uh, every time you pray, every time you worship the Lord, uh, every time you live your life for Jesus, you're contributing to the flow of God's holy history. And you matter. What you're doing is important. It's more important than you realize it's part of something much bigger than we can imagine. Another thing the situation is training us in, it's giving us an opportunity to prepare ourselves, our churches, and our families for the end times. This is giving us a sense of what it's like. It's giving us a glimpse of how we need to train ourselves so that if we are alive during that time, and I think some of us who are listening to this will be alive during that time just before Christ comes again, we will know how to live in that season. There are lessons for each of us to learn about how we spend our time, how we spend our money, uh, how we focus our lives, how we focus our resources. There are many lessons that each of us need to learn in this area, and this situation is giving us an opportunity to learn those lessons. It's giving us an opportunity to grow in those ways. Additionally to this, the situation is proving to us what is really essential and valuable in life. I mean, I, I see that one, one of the, the things that, that uh, many are lamenting now, uh, many of these uh, social influencers that were making millions and millions of pounds or dollars uh, through YouTube, uh, 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 they're losing their influence because I think people are recognizing what's really important. And a lot of the stuff that we thought was important frankly, just isn't that important. A lot of the things that we were buying, that we were spending our money on or our time on, that we thought was really essential, I think the, the season is teaching us that many of those things weren't quite as essential. And so we need to learn what is essential. We need to learn what's really valuable. I've learned so much about the value of things like our residential community here at City Temple. I've learned the value of of being together uh, as the body of Christ and how important it is for us not to neglect meeting together uh, as much as we can. I've also learned that uh, choices we've made here at City Temple to invest some of our resources in technology have actually been good choices. They've been important things for us to do. Uh, so this time is teaching us. It's proving to each of us in our own way what is really essential for living our lives and what is really valuable for us. And we need to learn those lessons, 
and make changes accordingly when we come out of this. If we, if we don't come out of this changed, then we will miss something significant that God is trying to do in our lives. Another thing, this, this situation is showing us, it's exhibiting what is really heroic and who our heroes really should be. Many of those actors that we thought were our heroes because they've made tens of millions of pounds making some action film uh, that made a lot of money. And so we thought, wow, they, could, they, they can speak into our situation. They can give us opinions about what's really important. You know, we're learning a lot of that. We're just wrong. Why have we focused on those as our heroes? We're learning that our heroes are not oftentimes the people that are up front but they're the people that have been behind the scenes, the people that have been sacrificing their lives, giving their lives, serving other people. And these people that are heroes now, the the nurses and the doctors and the cleaners and, and others with the NHS, you know what? They were heroes before. They were heroes before all of this happened. The problem was we weren't seeing them. These essential workers, they were heroes before but we weren't seeing how important they really were. And through this COVID-19 situation, the Lord is showing us who real heroes should be, who our real heroes really are. This situation is also showing us what is required to infect our society with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I came across a a great... uh, uh, website last week. And if you'll send me an email, I can send you a link to it. Uh, but it was really profound because it, it showed uh, about uh, how things spread across networks uh, and had some interactive things that you could do to see how the virus might spread. And as I looked at this, I realized that it's also showing us how the gospel needs to spread. And what we need to do, what we need to see, to see our city actually transformed with the gospel. You know, we don't want COVID-19 to go all over the city, but let me tell you, I want everybody in the city to be infected with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they cannot deny. The problem is that there are quite a few people that are immune. You know, they've been inoculated with the gospel, they've rejected Jesus, and they may never turn to Jesus Uh, And so this places great demands on us. Uh, It shows that uh, we need uh, 30%, uh, you know, out of every 10 Christians, we need to see at least three or four new Christians every year for the gospel really to spread. So we're, we're seeing this, but we know that the body of Christ in London has not seen this kind of growth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the situation is showing us what is required. And we need to be praying into this and saying, God, how do we get the gospel out there? How do we infect as many people as as possible with this gospel? And I think one of the powerful illustrations here is how the infection of COVID-19 is spread. It's spread through your breath. And they've said that if you speak, you tend to spread more of the virus. And I think as we speak the gospel will tend to spread the gospel more. And so we need to be praying 
uh, and asking God for opportunities to infect as many people as possible. And the thing is, you don't have to do a lot. You just have to keep speaking and keep sharing and keep witnessing. The situation is reminding us that Jesus is our hope and that we live every day by God's grace in Jesus Christ. I pray for our scientists. I pray for our government. I pray for our NHS. And I am thankful for them all. But I know that the real hope for us is in Jesus Christ. He's the only hope for our lives, the only hope for our humanity. And we can only live our lives by his grace every single day. And this has really shown me, shown me this uh, more and more during this season, how much I need the grace of God in Jesus Christ, how much I need to focus my life on Jesus, because he is the only hope. And it's only what I do in Jesus that has real value for living my life. I'm encouraged here. But I think we need to heed what Jesus said at the end of this passage in Luke. He says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. By our endurance during this time, that's what's going to put us forward. That's what's going to cause us to gain our lives, if you will. We need to endure through this season learning the lessons that God wants to teach us, but walking in the faithfulness of who we are in Jesus Christ, living our lives faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ. It's by our endurance that we gain our lives. Do you know what? God is not expecting you to do great things during this time. God is not expecting you to to see a thousand people saved. God is not requiring you to spend four hours a day reading your Bible. According to Jesus, what God wants for all of us in this season, and remember, Jesus is talking about the time that we're living in right now. He says, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. We need to endure by God's grace in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and by God's grace in Jesus Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can endure. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for showing your love and your grace and your mercy to us. We love you, we honor you, we worship you, and we adore you. And I pray, Father God, that you'd move in our hearts, move in our minds, and cause us to endure Uh, to endure not in a sense of bearing under a terrible burden and being miserable, but to endure with joy, knowing that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, that our lives are hidden with Christ in God, and knowing that you, Father God, never leave us nor forsake us. You have us all the way to the end. We love you and praise you, and pray all this through Jesus Christ. Amen.